Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Can you go to Psalm 76? I'm probably doing this because it's an early Thanksgiving song. And if I didn't do it, it would be December 10th, I believe, before we'd be back here. And that'd be kind of weird to do a Thanksgiving psalm. God, God placed us here at Psalm 76, a song of thanks given to God because he's a mighty warrior for his people. If you look at the superscript to the chief musician, we've learned that that means this is supposed to be sung in corporate worship. Then on Neganoth, uh, we've seen that a few times. It means it's really composed to be played on stringed instruments. So uh, I don't know, Derek, we, I don't have the, the tab or the, we're just going to have to study the lyrics tonight. Um, and it's by Asaph. It's, a, it's another one by Asaph. And it's also another one that's likely prophetic. And that's because the historical context that best fits this song is the Assyrian invasion of Israel and the besieging of Jerusalem. And that took place during King Hezekiah and Isaiah's time, uh, well after the lifespan of, of Asaph. So um, not outside of God's uh, way he does things to, to give Asaph a prophecy of what might happen even 100, 200 years later. Let's read it. It says, In Judah is God known, his name is great in Israel. In Salem also is his tabernacle, his dwelling place in Zion. There break he the arrows of the bow, the shield and the sword and the battle. Selah, thou art more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. The stout-hearted are spoiled, they have slept their sleep, and none of the men of might have found their hands. At thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and horse are cast into a dead sleep. Thou, even thou, art to be feared. And who may stand in thy sight when once thou art angry? Thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still when God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth. Selah. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. So bow. And pay unto the Lord your God. Let all that be round about him bring presents unto him that ought to be feared. And he shall cut off the spirit of the princes. He's terrible to the kings of the earth. It's a Thanksgiving psalm. And it begins by pointing us to give thanks to God for all the wonders of God. And we begin to get a list of them in verses 1 and 2. Wonderful things about God that should cause us to grow in our gratitude toward him. First, we have a God who is known, and Asaph is going to move on to what, from our perspective, might be more practical reasons to give thanks to God, but he begins here with this first phrase, in Judah is God known, uh, maybe a more philosophical or, or theological premise. We have a God who is known because he wants to be known, and the only reason uh, any of these other uh, reasons for giving God thanks uh, exist is because we first of all know him. Um, we must never forget the reality that because of our sin and our rebellion against God, you and I, we have no right to know God. It's purely of his grace, purely of his love that he would communicate to us 
and reveal himself to us is purely of his grace and his love and for his glory and for our good that he desires to enter into relationship with us and cultivate that relationship. That's God's message to us in Jeremiah 9, to 24. You're probably familiar with this verse. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Who? Who are the these? Those who know me. What are we to glory in, according to Jeremiah? That God is known and that we know him. That wonder of God, that he is known and that he reveals himself to us, it's so essential. A.W. Tozer said, what comes to our minds when we think about God? It's the most important thing about you. Uh, and verse 1 continues. His name is great in Israel. Back in Psalm 75, a couple of weeks ago, we, we saw that same term, God's name. And, and we learned that anywhere we find that in Scripture, when it says to praise his name or depend upon his name, it, it's talking about uh, all that God has revealed himself to be to us in his attributes and in his perfections. So again, really, it's just talking about more knowledge of God more revelation from our God who wants to be known and who wants us to know him. He wants a deep, intimate, personal relationship with us. In verse 2, it says, In Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. He's not talking about Winston-Salem. Salem's just a short and formed of Jerusalem. But it says that's where his tabernacle is. His, his dwelling place is in Zion. Uh, tabernacle, not really talking about the temple. Uh, in Hebrew, it, it's the word Sukkot. Those little booze that they used when they fled Egypt. I mean, their camping tents. Uh, when they would celebrate, Jewish people would celebrate the festival of tabernacles or the feast of booze. They would create these little booze and they had a camping week. And um, that's what he's talking about there. And there's this unquestionable connection whenever you see Jerusalem or Zion in the Old Testament or Psalms. Uh, there's a connection between these Old Testament geographical locations and the New Testament spiritual location of God's presence. Where is God's presence now heaven he's at the right hand of the father jesus is but is god residing in tabernacles now he resides in us doesn't he uh, in the lives of those who have trusted in jesus christ as savior verse 2 has us give thanks to god for his presence not only is he presented, or he's known, like verse 1, but he's also present. And these two wonders, a knowledge of God and, and a, real, a, a realization, like that God's presence is real, it comes to us only one way, through God's revealed word, through the Bible. If you and I lack in knowledge of who God is, or if we lack in any uh, real sense of his presence, is it possible that it's because we haven't made use of, I mean, I mean diligent use of his revealed word to us, where he shows us who he is and that he is present. And then verse 3 describes a third wonder of God, that our God who wants to be known and who is present, he's also active for us. He's working for us and delivering us. He says, There break he the arrows of the bow, the shield and the sword, and the battle, Selah. An instruction to meditate on these last three verses, on these three wonders. God's working for us. And now, in verses 4 to Nine, Asaph gets more detailed about the works of God that was mentioned in verse 3. We, we know God's works by life experience, but we also know them by revelation. 
in the Word of God. In fact, there's many times, if you're like me, that our life experiences that, that in them, um, God's working may be clouded or veiled. Or I question, are, are you working for me, God? Because he's not doing it on my time schedule. And it's then that I need to go to his word to remind myself of his prior works, not just for me, but for all of his people here, like he's talking about here in Psalm 76, um, verse 4, the mountains of prey, these strongholds where supplies of food or defenses are stored, they're important, but they pale in comparison, it says, to God. You're more glorious than that, God. They're wonderful gifts of his grace to us, but never worship the gift more than we worship the giver of the gift. They're not doing it says they slept their sleep, and none of the men of might have found their hands. Not literally sleeping, but sleeping the sleep of death is what it's referring to here. How did that happen? How did God deliver his people? Or it says at verse 6, at thy rebuke, at just the rebuke, at just the very word of God, all of their instruments of military might, the chariot, the horse, the arrows, it talked back in verse 3 about the shield, the sword, the battle, all of them rendered powerless at just his rebuke. At just his word. Isn't his word that powerful? It's what created this entire universe. Let there be light. It's what created you whenever you were born. Let there be tissy. It was a while ago, right? Me too. It's his word. And if his word's that powerful, it's all he has to do is speak it. And it says that when he returns, when Christ returns, that's what will end everything at the battle of Armageddon. We sing it. And the mighty fortress is our God. When we talk about the fall of Satan, when fi Christ finally crushes him forever and completely, one little word will fell him. Now, just a rebuke. In 2 Kings 18, the historical context for this, like I told you, during King Hezekiah's reign and the prophet Isaiah, uh, during his time, hundreds of years after Asaph actually lived, back then the northern, king of Israel, uh, northern kingdom of Israel had been invaded by the Assyrians. They wiped them out. And um, now they're making their way to Judah. The Assyrian king, Sennacherib, he sent two of his high military top, top generals. And um, as they approach the southern kingdom of Judah, town by town falls. Hezekiah raids the temple, steals all of the golden and silver and bronze precious objects of worship, and he gives them to King Sennacherib, trying to slow him down and appease him. He wasn't satisfied. They want it all. They're out for blood. And they besiege Jerusalem. And Assyria's military leaders, then they begin initiating a propaganda campaign. And they're telling everybody in Judah, the citizens, your God is powerless. Jehovah is powerless. And don't listen to King Hezekiah. Definitely don't listen to Isaiah or any of the prophets who would tell you otherwise. And we find that King Hezekiah goes to God in, in humble prayer. Let me just read it for you. 2 Kings 19, verse 6 says, Isaiah told Hezekiah, Thus shall you say to your people, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor, and shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Verse 14 says, Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the Assyrian messengers, and, and he read it. But Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord, and he spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwells between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, 
of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down your ear and hear. Open, Lord, your eyes and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which has sent him to reproach the living God. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. I want you to look at verse 7 again. Thou, even thou, art to be feared. And who may stand in thy sight when once thou art angry? And you know what God did? We find it in 2 Kings 19.32. Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city. He shall not shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with a shield, nor cast a bank against it. Their siege isn't going to work. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into the city, said the Lord. For I will defend the city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Then it says in verse 35, It came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred fourscore and five thousand. Five thousand one hundred and eighty men. Assyrian soldiers. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, there were all dead corpses. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. That's what God did. Sent an angel. This took one word, at thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and the horse are cast into a dead sleep. Thou, even thou, only are to be feared. Do you see that exclusive emphasis to God's people? Thou and thou only, not Assyria, not arrows, not horses, not chariots, not invading armies, just you, God. You are the only one that's to be feared. No one can stand when you're angry and you're acting for your people. This judgment, this deliverance, it did not come from Judah's military might. It didn't come from Hezekiah's brilliant military strategy. Verse 8 says where it came from. Thou didst cause judgment or justice to be heard from heaven. And the earth feared and was still. Salvation came from a God who works for his people. And so we can join the prophet Isaiah in thankful praise. Isaiah 64, 4 says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has any eye seen a God besides you who works for those who wait for him. There's no greater thanksgiving than you can give God than faith, church. The faith that Hezekiah had, that Isaiah had, that Asaph is calling us to here, being someone who waits for him, believing that God works for you, knowing that He's present and working for you. Faith, that's what verse 9 talks about. When God arose to judgment, he did it to save all the meek of the earth. You know, meek, humble, lowly, dependent, at the end of their rope, out of other human options, resourceless, needy, but believing, believing people. A second divided pause is there at the end of verse 9, causing us to meditate on our ever-present, always-working God that we know. And when you know him, there's only one right response. Verses 9 through 11, or 10 through 12. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, the worship of God. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. And verse 10 has uh, worship of God coming from a rather unusual source, from the wrath of man. Um, but don't we know and worship a God who takes what the enemy meant for evil and turns it to good? That's what he does. That's what he does. The word of God is replete with examples, but if you ever can't, remember what passage it's in you've got the greatest example ever ever before you the cross of jesus christ in that empty tomb he took what the enemy meant for evil and he turned it to good and so what is our response well vow 
We studied a couple weeks ago on Sunday night about making vows here. Asaph says vow, pay unto the Lord. Not money. You're paying him thanksgiving, offerings, worship, sacrifices. Pay unto the Lord your God. Let all that be around him bring presents unto him that ought to be feared. We're to vow. We're to promise to praise him with thanksgiving and offerings, even for things that are not done yet, but that he's promised. Giving God thanks and worship. We can confidently make that vow. You can confidently make a promise to give God praise and thanks because of his promise. Because like we've learned so many times here, that a promise act of God is as good as done. Didn't God come through for his people? Here. Didn't he come through for Hezekiah and Isaiah in the historical context? Yeah. Didn't he do it on Easter morning when he took what the enemy meant for evil and he turned it to good? And if that's the case, why won't he do it for you? He will. God gave us a psalm here tonight for an early Thanksgiving. But will you give him thanks early for something he has promised, for the victory ahead? We cannot if we properly don't know him. If we don't know him properly. If there is no wonder for God in our lives, good, good luck giving him thanksgiving for what he's done or what he's promised to do. We can't if we don't know that he's present and that he is working for us. But we can because of Psalm 76. We can because Asaph has told us here that God is all of these things for you and I. Uh, trying to count people. Probably got 50, 40 to 50 here tonight. And so as Tommy comes and prays to lead us in, let's just do one song. You can pick it. All right. But um, as they come, there ought to be 40 to 50 specific to you offers of thanksgiving going up tonight. As you sing, give God thanks for what he's done, for what he's promised to do.